Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I am staring out the window at a big time snowstorm that has hit Colorado on May 18th. Can you believe it? Um, funny because other parts of the country are in the middle of you know mid 90s and it just shows me every day how much this world is changing and how weather patterns are just a symbolic little sign that's telling us that nothing around us ever stays the same. And I think this um, interview today is really going to resonate with that theme. But before we, before I go into uh, introducing my guest today, Megan Onan, an incredible woman, I want to tell you about something really cool that we're doing at Skirt Sports. Um, we launched recently this project called Find Your Skirt Box. So I fully recognize after doing this for 12 years that when you are new to skirt sports and you go to our website and you click on skirts and you see the range of products we have, it can be incredibly overwhelming. And in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, right. I'm going to spend 70 bucks on something that I'm not even sure is going to fit my body. And who knows if they even have anything that would fit my body. Well, we created this, this program. It's literally a box of our five bestsellers because we understand that we all have different bodies and we all have different body needs. And we wanted to allow you the chance to get a bunch of great styles that you could try on at home and then send back whatever doesn't work um, and get a discount if you keep more than one item. I mean, there's all kinds of perks to doing this. But the really cool thing is that it's that point I made earlier about recognizing that we're all different and respecting that. One of the coolest projects I have ever done is when I put together the Real Women Move models that we use to represent the Find Your Skirt Box. These are women ranging from extra small to double XL who are tall, short, round, straight, funny, serious, you know, whatever, you name it. And they've all got fitness goals in their lives. It doesn't matter what they look like. They're all striving for greater and better ways to be healthy. So you can find this cool new program, Find Your Skirt Box, on our website, skirtsports.com. All you do is click on the shop tab and you will see a whole section on it, including the top five styles that we put in there. Finally, the really great thing about this program is that we actually call you and we can customize it. So if you don't want all of those five things or you want two of a certain style or you know what, I'd rather throw a bra in there instead, we will totally do that for you because that's what this is all about, getting you what you want. So anyway, let me let me uh, let me go back. Shameless plug, skirt sports. Woohoo! Um, let me let me get back to the episode now. 
So today I bring you incredible woman named Megan Onan. I call her Meg. She's amazing. I first saw her live and in person at um, E-Town, which is a really cool speaking venue and concert venue in Boulder. She was doing a talk for the Evoso Live event. Um, Her talk was very deep and very powerful in the 10 to 12 minutes that she had to share it. I knew immediately that I needed to have her on the show someday. She is a speaker. She's an author. It's funny. She calls herself a peace warrior. She's also a life coach. In fact, I had her life coach me on video. So I'm going to make sure I share that video because it's actually pretty funny. Um, Megan is someone who went through the process of accepting who she is, a gay woman, um, during very formative years of her life, right around the time that she was in college and graduating from college in the Deep South, in an area that was not incredibly accepting of what she had to say. Um, so we talk a lot about the lessons she learned through coming out. And we also talk about concepts like forgiveness and, you know, not running away from your fears. She's got a lot of great, great messages. I know you're going to like this episode. And instead of continuing to introduce her now, I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Yes, awesome. let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to be sitting here across from you today, Meg. Me too. Thank you for joining me, not being scared to come to my house in South Boulder. <laughs> I, I love your house. Up, I picked up a little bit. <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> oh my God, you're laughing. It's really clean right now. Um, this is what happens when you have a five-year-old. Every corner gets taken by stuff. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seriously. But I also learned earlier that you are a, a clean and neat person who's very organized. Yeah, you can thank my mom for that. <laughs> Both of my brothers are. Oh, good. Too, so it, it rubbed off. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. So yeah. can we thank your mom and brothers for other things too? <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell me a little bit about your family background. I actually don't know anything about it. My family, my parents have been married for, let's see, since 73. How many years is that? Well, I was born in 72, and I'm 45, Well, so there you 44. go. <laughs> and they've been together since they wow. were teenagers, 14, 15 wow. years old. Oh, my. And they're the cutest couple. Really? Yeah. They're still very much in love, and um, they're just great parents. They're a great example for me, and I have an older brother, a younger brother. They're both married. They live near Claire and I. They have kids, and... What can I say? I love my nieces and nephew. Awesome. Light of my world. You know, we're going to, we just need to throw it out there, but a lot of times when people are gay and they come out and share with their families at a certain point, like rifts happen or parents don't understand or siblings, you know, become detached. Did you have any of those issues? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've been through a lot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was raised Catholic in Mississippi, so... It wasn't that my parents didn't love me. It was that they were struggling and they were scared and afraid for how I was going to be treated. And so their reaction was very emotional. And so there was a detachment, an emotional detachment 
for a while. They went into counseling, I went into counseling, and then we did some counseling together. Um, but they were always very willing to work on our relationship. Oh, that's great. But it took, you know, it was a process, and it took years of communication and just being honest. And it was really hard and difficult. Um, my brothers, being boys, they didn't like to talk about it a whole lot. I've had more conversations with my older brother than my younger brother. Um, but we do talk about it. It's not something that we just, you know, push under the rug. There's there's always a conversation to be had in any family, no matter what the topic is. Well, that's so, so true. And, you know, yesterday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress to an event we did last night, okay? Uh-huh. And we're going to come back to this awesome topic of communication. Um, so we did an event at the Skirt Sports Store with our mutual friend, awesome master trainer speaker her name's katie moyer Mm -hmm. and she had this really cool concept to do sort of a mind body spirit uh fitness event Mm -hmm. right yep and she called it re-inspire and and what was really cool is that she got you involved Mm -hmm. so katie is you know she's the master of the physical and i believe she's actually a master of the psychological more than maybe she even knows i agree but she brought you in and you know your training as a life coach and some of the Mm -hmm. other things you do really fit well so maybe uh share with our listeners what how how we took the uh group through our exercise last night okay so it was a two-hour setup and we started off well the name of the workshop was Mm re-inspired and it was all about letting go of wintertime the past things we've been processing and moving into the spring which is renewal and rebirth and so the point of the entire two hours was to focus on something that you're ready to let go of and then take that into the workout and process it while you're actually doing the workout and then after the workout we sat down to process what we were letting go of and and kind of move through some of the other steps of letting go of acceptance and actually feeling what that is like to let go of it Mm -hmm. and focusing on who we want to be in the world. So it was just a really cool, practical way to move through something emotional. Well, that's just it. Because usually you take an approach where you're just sitting in a counselor's office trying to process. Right. Or you go out and you pound yourself and throw plates on the floor or at the wall like we talked about afterwards. Yeah. But rarely do we combine both. Yeah, and that's something I've kind of done over the years in my coaching practice is let's go for a walk and chat. Let's move while we're having a conversation. It's just so much more comes out when you, when you have movement rather than when you're sitting in a chair across from someone. But why? I don't know. It just moves that energy. Is it also because you don't have to stare right at them? I'm <laughs> literally curious. Like it you're could kind of be. I, together and- I think it just it moves the energy that you keep balled up. So, I mean, we naturally hold on to our emotions. We don't always have time to sit and process them because we have so much that we're doing. There's so much stimulation in the world. So it's just a good opportunity to allow your body to just work through those consciously. And so when you know you're with a coach and the purpose and the intention of the walk or the workout is to process it makes you more vulnerable and it puts you in a clearer state of mind. It really does. Yeah. And that's what I felt afterwards was this sort of 
stillness and openness. And I'm going to share too what I identified as my story that I wanted to let go. Awesome. So it and it was really interesting because I I didn't you know I hadn't prepared for it and come with a list of things that I wanted to let go and I'm sure there's a million more but I was thinking about a conversation I'd had with Tim my husband Mm -hmm. um, earlier that day Mm -hmm. and we'd been having this great talk about how we're going on this trip to Alaska this summer with our kid and it's going to be great and all the things we're going to do and then I said and you know the weekend before is my girls weekend with my mom and sister and he said well wait what in my mind, actually out loud, I said, well, Tim, this is really frustrating to me because I feel like I've told you this about 10 times and either you're not listening or I didn't write it down properly or whatever. But now I feel like I ruined our conversation by telling you something and it just got me thinking. Mm -hmm. And what it got me thinking about was that this is a common pattern of communication that I have with Tim. Mm And there's all these things built into it, right? Like my expectation with how he may or may not react. I blurt things out. Maybe it wasn't the best time to remind him of that. I don't know. Um, And uh, I don't, you know, it was just, it was kind of the culmination of me saying, wouldn't it be nice if that was different? Yeah. And that actually didn't change the entire tone of our conversation and close him off and then make me frustrated and feel guilty. Mm -hmm. So I brought that last night. Yeah. And, um, and I did actually let go of that. And what really came out of it was that this morning I talked about it with him. Awesome. It was really cool. That's so cool. I know. And he shook his head in agreement. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, that wasn't great. Like, yeah. But we didn't have a solution on mm-hmm. how we can change our communication. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that we communicated better mm-hmm. maybe is a sign that, that we are moving in that direction. I think any forward progress in a relationship, it takes communication and just putting it on the table. It's like, this is the way it is. You know, like, how do you want it to be? And this is the way it is. And how can we move towards that? And Well, and with communication, this takes us all the way back to the beginning when you're talking about your mom and dad and your brothers. Mm-hmm. And you have this big, huge thing you're about to tell them that mm-hmm. they may or may not have already known at some level. They have no clue. No clue. No clue. Good Lord. And then in your head, you're like, how could you not know? I don't know. I'm guessing. Well, I, was, I was dating, you know, <laughs> guys and stuff. And so um, I, I, I tricked them. <laughs> oh, so that makes it almost harder. Oh, it was difficult. It was yeah. like... Yeah, it was too many things at once, definitely. So were you anticipating a reaction? Did you put it off for years? Like, how did this all happen? And I just ask it because I think it could help some people listening who are sitting there in the same situation knowing that they have something they need to share that they haven't been forthcoming about. And so it makes them feel guilty. Yeah, not only that, it makes you feel alone. Alone. Um, And for me, when I started dating my first girlfriend, I waited... A little over a year before I told my family and that was an exhilarating year and a very sad year for me because I felt I was very close to my family and my mom especially she's my best friend and so to keep something from her was that was hard so that year sitting on it I just felt very alone and when what happened was people just started talking about it and finding out. So I had to tell my family. I didn't really have a choice. It's a small town. 
It's going to get to them at some point. I need to be the one that tells them before anybody else does. At least you were brave enough to do that. And you were young, like pretty. I was 22, right 23. Yeah. Yeah. I was in graduate school. And yeah, just it was, it was a, I will never forget that day. But I had to drive over to my parents' house. And I remember the feeling of driving over and just being sick to my stomach and about ready to throw up. It's one of those things that that moment in life or one of those moments in life where, you know, you just, you have to say it, but you don't want to. And that's, that's what happened. I told my mom first and then she called my dad and he came home and then she called my brothers and they came over. And so it ended up being this big family discussion and a lot of tears. And then the next year was, uh, a lot of detachment emotionally because we were all trying to deal. Mm. And then I moved away after that. Where'd you end up moving? Wait, oh, where were you? I was in Starkville, Mississippi. I was mm-hmm. in graduate school at Mississippi State. And then I decided that that wasn't enough school. So I went to graduate school at Florida State. And I was in Florida for about two and a half years. And then moved to Fort Collins after that and worked for the state of Colorado. And was here, here in Colorado for about three, three and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. And very different regional outlook on, I don't know, your just human rights and preferences, right? Yeah, and spiritually, too, mm-hmm. because um, what you get in in small-town Mississippi is a Christian perspective, which is what I was raised with, and I was okay with that at the time. But once I moved out of the state and started to explore a little bit more spiritually, I found myself really resonating with other ways of thinking. And so I kind of went on the spiritual journey of figuring out who I was in that arena as well. And so there was, it was just this whole journey of discovering who I was outside of Mississippi. You know, I think we can all relate to having times in our life when we need to dig in deeper to who we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you know you were going on a spiritual journey or did it just happen? What do you say to people out there who are like, I know there's more, but I don't know how to dig into it? That's a good question. I think I knew that, well, for me, I had to get out of Mississippi to figure out who I was. I knew that deep down. Mm. I knew I could not find it with the pressure I was feeling and with all of the the emotional buildup and just wasn't feeling loved. And so I had to go. There, I didn't really have a choice. Um, but I guess for anybody who's in that position, you have to follow your heart. I knew that I had to follow my heart in that moment and go. And, and breaking out of one area of your life that felt like it was holding you back helped a lot and that was just like physically moving Mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow and And that's a big decision for people it is it is it's good to i love to see kids leaving who are raised in mississippi leaving and going and exploring and figuring out who they are it's good to leave home you need to leave home you need to get out of what you were raised to believe and think and see what's out there Mm true yeah you're an incredible speaker i got to watch you speak at the evo so live event in boulder in february and was your talk called uh the other f word (laughs) (laughs) uh forgiveness the new f word the new not the other yeah there's a bunch of them Um, (laughs) yeah there are i love them all you know just to lay a little more framework for 
how you know how your community was sort of treating you after you came out you told a story in that talk that i'd love if you would share about when you went to your local church yeah i was actually a part of the fellowship of christian athletes which was the only spiritual opportunity or organization for athletes at the time i played basketball and softball at mississippi state so and spirituality was always super important to me so i threw myself into this organization and was kind of like the the leader for female athletes we would they would come over and i would call it bible study but it'd be like this time of you know like miniature workshops and you know i was just doing what i love to do and so i really identified with myself as a leader in this organization so eventually down the road once i came out then uh the the leaders at the time were not really happy about it and thought i was a hypocrite and so i I got a lot of talking to and a lot of uh quoted bible verses and going to hell this and sin that and and it really broke my spirit and my faith in a larger sense in not only people but in the in the faith that i grew up in and so there was just so many i could i could tell you story after story of the way i was talked to and treated during that time period where my spirit was just literally crushed by people who i thought got me spiritually I think there's no bigger crime than that for your spirituality or your faith or what you're raised to believe to push you to the side. So for me, that was the biggest hurt of all was feeling rejected by my spiritual community. Oh, it's so brutal. Um, I mean, were these people just afraid? They were repeating what they were taught. And that's what happens. Mm, Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, looking back at at the time, it's crushing. But looking back and going through the process and and this process of healing, I can understand that they were just doing the best they could do. Well, and you, you know, you're just doing the best you can do. Right. And who did you have to help you during that time? Were you all alone still? I was seeing a counselor, which helped me tremendously. It allowed me to process my emotions and what I was feeling and the bombardment of the community. Um, And I had a couple of really good friends that helped. And I was actually, I got my master's in counseling. And the counseling department was kind of my haven. They gave me a chance to present to classes and process my emotions. And that was my that was my savior during that time period. That's so amazing. Yeah, I was well, very I was very fortunate. It's a bit of a precursor for what you're doing today. So it's like you yeah. get, you got your degree in counseling. This mm-hmm. is a little more like clinical, right? Mm-hmm. But you ended up uh, owning a holistic health practice. I know. Right? Yeah. Back in Starkville, Mississippi. My hometown. Yeah. Yeah. So like what I want, <laughs> crazy. I want to understand is why did you go back if you felt stifled there? And, and how is this probably a somewhat revolutionary holistic health clinic thriving in a town that, you know, for all practical purposes, decades ago shunned you? <laughs> It's bizarre. As I hear you talk about it, I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> this really did happen. <laughs> in 2010, you know, I had made this kind of this interesting journey spiritually. 
And I just got to this point. Uh, my first book, book, Creating Your Heaven on Earth, was published in 2008. And it was doing okay, and I was doing well, and I'm, you know, I got published pretty quickly for a young writer, and I just felt like there was this emptiness, and that I needed to do something. I was broken inside. Well, can we back up? Mm -hmm. What made you want to write a book called Creating Your Heaven on Earth? unveiling the truth that was always there when you were in your mid-20s right i'd always wanted to write like this has been my vision for my life since i was little i knew i knew this was my journey and my path and when i wrote that book i was actually in a not very wonderful relationship and i think it was my way of writing towards what i wanted and what i believed so all of the concepts in that book are very basic spiritual concepts that I think anybody can relate to, no matter your religion. But it was like my call forward. Like, this is what I want. And I knew at some point I was actually, I uh, did an event in Syracuse. I was on stage with Don Miguel Ruiz, one of my heroes. Uh, the Four Love? The Four Agreements. Four Agreements. The Love Languages. I mean, oh, my gosh. Well, he he was the best his books really helped me develop spiritually too. So, you know, to be on stage with him was the ultimate for me at the time. The ultimate thing. Still. Yeah. <laughs> but when I got on stage, I couldn't be totally authentic. I wasn't ready to talk about who I was. And after that event, I knew there was something I had to do. But I have to ask, like, why were you feeling embarrassed um yes. guilty shame shame just shame for who i was even with this person who wrote a book that was basically written for you i was afraid <laughs> to introduce claire to him as my wow. partner i it was very clear to me after that event that i had to do something and staying in colorado wasn't going to get it done mm-hmm. and so i knew pretty quickly that i was being called to go back home and figure some shit out Wow. Okay. Yeah. So how'd that work? <laughs> yeah. How do you just well, figure shit out? Cause I know people are listening and they're like, I get it. I've got this thing. I've got to figure out. We need you to help us. Be patient. Um, I but learned, we want results. <laughs> I know it's, it, our society is changing and, and that's, that's the heartache for me is watching people try to get through something at such a fast pace when it requires a slow pace. And when I moved back, and luckily I had Claire with me, who is brave and adventurous and had always dreamt of living in Mississippi, um, which is really weird, uh, with me. So I had this person that helped me. I wasn't just by myself. And so once we got to Mississippi, I figured out very quickly, and this is going to be a process. And it's going to require a lot of really hard conversations with my family and a lot of bravery on my part to to just take charge of my healing process. And it it was excruciating. I mean, it, it was not a simple, you know, this is what you do and this is what the result's gonna be. It was like, I'm gonna do this. I don't know what the result's gonna be. It might really suck, but I'm gonna have to try it. So it was just this constant thing of trying and facing my fears and putting myself out there and being hurt. And Yeah. 
Oh, that's so true. And this whole like concept of slow and steady wins the race is like coming to me right now. And I mean, that can apply to so many things in life, but definitely you don't have to rush through everything and rushing through a process like this sounds like it, it often leads to, uh, I don't know, frustration, not completing a process, mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. yeah, it can. And everybody's different. You know, for me, the slow and steady is what I know I have to do. And I mean, I've heard of amazing stories of forgiveness where people were able to just make up their mind that that's what they would do and they did so you know i think for most people the slow and steady is when you're dealing with something that's very hurtful or you're carrying a lot of shame it's just gonna take time awesome yeah i agree so hang in there and live with that pain and own it you know (laughs) there's something to it it is gonna help you in the long run but you eventually opened a practice so how did that come about right so (laughs) we opened our business in 2012 and we opened in this like I mean, not much bigger than the room we're in. I'm, Which I'm, is about 10 by 10, guys. <laughs> but we had two of these rooms, right? We were paying $300 a month, and uh, we were giving $20 acupuncture treatments, and I was charging hardly anything for my coaching sessions and mostly free. And we just grew this practice, and it's turned into we're in our fifth year now. Um, we're now in a 3,000-square-foot facility. We have seven acupuncture rooms we have a herb and supplement store we do nutrition life coaching we have two counselors we have a massage therapist wow we have a storefront um a business that's really booming do you have any competition in starkville there are no other acupuncturists there are other wellness places but not where you can find all of those mm-hmm. modalities under one roof nowhere yeah. near us yeah so why is it succeeding we I think Claire and I's marriage and relationship is really, I'm so fortunate. We communicate so well and we support each other. She supports my dreams and I support her dreams. She says, hey, Megan, I need, we need money to invest in this part of the business. I, okay. And if I say, hey, I need, I need money to invest in this part of my business, she says, okay. Like there's, there's no argument over limiting ourselves when it comes to our dreams. So I think that's a huge part of it. The other part of it is that we agree on spiritual principles and we understand the big picture and are always working towards it. So I think a lot of it has to do with like, we're, we're pretty much always on the same page. And if we're not, we get on the same page. You know, this is really interesting because I think this happens a lot in relationships. You may start out um, aligned on your spiritual principles. You may start out having each other's back. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the line, one or the other may change their spiritual values. Yeah, absolutely. And, and And since, you know, it's not realistic that you're constantly you know uh, verbalizing where you stand on issues usually it hits at a certain point where you're like wow i actually believe differently now than i did and um and so how do you how do you realign yourselves because you said if we don't aren't on the same page we get there yeah i'll give you a recent example just a few weeks ago well we've grown so fast since we moved the business to starkville 
we were in Columbus, which is about 30 minutes away. We, and we've grown really fast because it's a little bit more of a progressive community. Mm-hmm. And it's a university town. So it's a little bit more diverse. Um, so people are more willing to try what we offer. And it grew so fast that Claire ended up taking on most of the management of the clinic. And I ended up taking on most of the financial portion of it. And the weight of the financial portion of it was getting so heavy on me like i was ready to lose my mind but that's not even what you do no it's not and it's a it's a part of business you have someone has to do it, right and i had to go to claire and say like i can't do this like i cannot do this i cannot do this by myself this is way too heavy and so we had to figure out from there like how are we going to split this up so we're both sharing the financial portion responsibility of our business because it's a realistic part of it that you know it's just a part of business that's true and actually it's probably good that you split it because often money is one of those big issues in a relationship where one person does it Mm -hmm. and the other person has no clue yeah and that can create all kinds of issues and resentment and yeah hiding of money and sneaking of money (laughs) well yeah and that's where i was going i was starting to feel resentful towards the business and not hiding and sneaking money no the resentment though (laughs) no there was definitely resentment and it didn't feel very good and and i knew that something had to shift and you know we just sat down and spent a day working on it and figuring it out and splitting it up and so now we're sharing half and half that responsibility and it feels so much lighter and so much better and I don't feel so much pressure so okay so you you are a life coach so there's a lot of expectation that Mm -hmm. you would be able to manage your own life (laughs) in the way that you would coach others. (laughs) That's really crazy. So first of all, what the heck is a life coach? Okay, so I've never gone to one, but I know this is a thing. Right. And um, and it can be a very powerful thing. So Mm -hmm. explain what a life coach does. For lack of a better word, a life coach is an accountability partner. They help you get shit done. So I'm helping you create your checklist and mark off your checklist. It's really empowering. I've had a life coach over, you know, the past four or five years. And it just helps me set deadlines, get things done that I want to get done. And it's, it's not counseling in the sense that, you know, if, if someone comes to me and there's a trauma that gets opened up, then I refer them out for counseling. I'm not okay. going to dig into that kind of stuff. Is it more like a career and life coaching okay life balance it can be Mm -hmm. career oriented if you're not sure what you want it can help with getting clarity about what you want Um, there's a lot of different things but it's very practical so for people listening if they're sitting there going do i need a life coach like what would be the signs that they need to go to a life coach maybe there's a lot of procrastinating you're not very clear you're not getting things done that you want done and you just need a little bit of help so if you and i were friends and we decided to meet every week and like make a list of goals and then set deadlines and check them off. You know, you create this camaraderie that you need sometimes to get things done. Mm-hmm. So that's more or less what I do. And if you hit a speed bump and you're going through something, then we try to work through that. And if I can't help you, then I'll send you to a counselor if it's something a little bit deeper. Okay, so I have about six parts of my life. Right there's the work part, but then work is divided into a few things. I have a nonprofit. I have this awesome podcast. Oh, I forgot I'm married. And I have a five year old, and oh, I decided I was going to do a triathlon this summer, so I've got that. So 
like, am I, should I come to you? And what would we, how would we start uh, our first session? Take me through a two minute microcosm. Well, I would ask you, what do you want your life to look like? Oh crap. That's a really good, amazing start. Gotta, gotta know, you gotta know what you want. Well, what if the answer right off the bat is, I just want to be happy. I mean, is that good enough or do you make them dig? We dig. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. So I want to be happy. I want to be, um, I want the things that are important to me to get done. Mm -hmm. They don't always. Mm -hmm. I want to have time with my kid where I actually am there. Okay. Talk about being present because that doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want my marriage to slip away. (laughs) So that has to stay strong. Yeah. Right, and I want my body to stay strong through it. So I want all the things I'm doing, I wanna keep doing them, but sometimes they spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how does, how does this go? So what are the things in your life that you don't want to be doing, that you are currently putting energy into? Oh, that's a really awesome question, which now I will not answer because I don't want anybody listening to be offended. <laughs> we'll talk after. <laughs> okay, you guys, do you hear this? This is how it goes. This is it. You start from that big, huge question that you don't want to verbalize because yeah. it's too huge. Well, and then you break it down. And that's mm-hmm. the that's the beauty of coaching is that it's a process, just like life. You give yourself, you know, three to six months to work through some of these things and let them develop because things change and you get clearer as you go through this process. So you don't need all the answers in the first session. But what it does is it it sets you on this journey of getting clear about where you're moving towards. Because if you don't know where you're moving towards, then where are you going? That's a really great point. Yeah, it's a process. Um, I want to move into like the next part of your process, what, which is the book that you published uh, two or three years ago called Courage. Mm-hmm. Agreeing to disagree is not enough. Yeah. And I love that subtitle. Thank you. Um, I, it, what's cool is I was watching some YouTube videos of you. And you know, you're on the news sometimes. You do all kinds of cool YouTube stuff with great messages. And there was a video where you were meeting with like a religious leader in the South and it was like openly gay woman meets with religious leader (laughs) to talk about (laughs) your views. And it was just a funny, you know, headline. But as I'm watching it, you know, you're, you guys are talking about, I I believe you were talking about being gay, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. he said, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. And I listened to that and I was like, this is the worst conversation and the reason is because exactly what you say in the book, mm-hmm. it leaves us nowhere. We don't move forward with that kind of thinking. Yeah, you don't go beyond. Like, so who are you as a person? Like, tell me who you are. Gosh, you know, and and that's God. Ah, and today's society, we're still there. We are. We're so there. I'm. I'm sure people listening. Some people are like, I just said that earlier today, you know, or someone said that to me. How do you move out of that situation when you're having a conversation like that? And either you or someone else says, well, then we're going to have to agree to disagree. And then you're both like really frustrated. And that's it. Yeah. So how do you move out of that? I actually had something happen a couple weeks ago where I was at this arts festival and I was sharing a booth with an author friend of mine and we were selling books and t-shirts and you know all the good stuff and having a blast beautiful day and this woman comes up to the table with her daughter and her daughter's a writer she's probably 18 19 years old and so we're talking to her about writing 
and getting her stuff out there and what she can do and how she can move forward. And her mom's just so happy that she's talking to us. And she looks over at my shirt, which says, take your fears by the hand. I want to get her that shirt. So the daughter's picking out the shirt. The mom picks up my book, Courage, starts reading the back, talk about me being gay and who I am. And I notice the mom gets really uncomfortable. I'm, I'm very aware that her energy has just shifted. And so the daughter's waiting for the mom to pay for the shirt. And the mom's stumbling around, like trying to decide if she's going to buy the shirt or not. I knew kind of what was going on. So I ran her card eventually. And she, I had been offering a free book to anybody who bought a shirt that day. So I told them, I said, you feel free to pick out one of my books to take with you. I'm giving them for free today with the purchase of a t-shirt. And the mom puts her hand on my book and says, I'm going to have to agree to disagree with you about this. Oh, and my heart sank to my stomach. I was like, really? This is happening right now? (laughs) But I remember. And she read the subtitle and still said it? Yeah. She Yep, <laughs> she did. And I, in that moment, I was like, at first, my initial reaction was like, what I actually said to her was, I'm not looking to be changed. And it didn't feel good to me at all. So I had to step my energy back a little bit. And she said, well, have you read the Bible? And I said, yeah, I have. She said, have you read all of it? I said, well, yes, I have. I was raised Christian, you know in a Catholic church, and I've read all the Bible, and she said, well, you know, when I feel like I'm not at peace or I need help, then I turn to the passages, and Jesus is the only way. And I looked at her, and I was like, what can I say in this moment that will diffuse this, that will allow me to be me and for her to be her? And I said, you know, I am at peace with who I am. I am 1,000% at peace with who I am. And that was all it took. She shifted immediately. And the next thing she said, well, I just don't want anyone to think that I don't love them. I was like, I really appreciate that. Wow. And that was it. That was the end of the conversation. They went on. Did she take the book? She did not take the book. (laughs) But she bought the T-shirt. Good. She's one step in. You know... That's uh, It takes a lot of courage, like your book, to just be who you are in the moment and not try to please someone or con- you know, conform to what they're thinking or make them feel... Like you're changing them. Right. And that's the thing that, that I've worked so hard on, and I still work on. I mean, I work on it every day. I mean, this is an endless journey. But I, I just don't want to change try to I don't want people to feel like I'm trying to change them the way that they were trying to change me and that's a really hard thing to do how to walk that line gracefully well it takes putting yourself in someone else's shoes for a moment too mm-hmm. and yeah. that's something we don't always do in the heat of a moment right that's the yeah. hardest that's yeah the you're hardest feeling time. your feelings that's all you're feeling mm-hmm. So I think that's a really good practice for people mm-hmm. to breathe and stop and have that question you asked yourself. What was that question you asked yourself again in the heat of it? Who do I want to be right now? It's friggin' powerful. It really so is awesome. when you take the time to 
to do it. Because in those moments, everything's happening in slow motion. So you have the time. Mm-hmm. It's just like training that. yourself. Who do I want to be right now? Um, wow, we've been over 5K. It's 38 minutes, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, what's your mission today? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um, my mission today... I think is really centered around our business in creating a space where people feel accepted. That's the greatest compliment we can get is people walk in and feel loved and accepted for who they are, no matter who they are. I don't care what their background is. I don't care if they're a Republican, Christian, conservative, you know, I want everyone to feel accepted in our space. I want, I'd love for you to share a story that you mentioned in the talk about how when you opened up, um, the neighbor across the street and different business came over to check in with you, right? Mm-hmm. And that you had already uh, had some kind of past experience with him. Yeah. Um, he, he pretty much told me I was going to hell when I came out and he was one of my uh, spiritual leaders that I was talking about. And when we moved, opened our business in Columbus, he, his business was just a block away and he came over to, to chat with me about the difference between life coaching and counseling. And so I had this whole interaction and I talk about it in my speech where I was scared to death, like so scared. <laughs> this There couldn't be a person in the world that scared me more than him. Did he know it was you? Yeah, he oh, knew he it knew. was me. So to him, probably, you know, he, he didn't think he did anything wrong. You know, but to me, it was it was hurtful and I felt completely rejected. So, so it's, you know, it's those, those interactions are really intriguing to me where someone, you can't wait for someone to say, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you have to do what you have to do to get through that without expecting someone to say, I'm really sorry I hurt you because they may never be sorry. And they may not know the, the, the limit that they went to in hurting you. Right. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So he might have just been regurgitating what he had learned. Exactly. And really hadn't personalized it to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe he did, but. Yeah. But, you know, it shows maturity and, 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 you know, I'm sure he evolved too. And so this openness of mind and spirit when you probably wanted to crawl in a hole and and avoid. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have had a door to run out of. But there wasn't (laughs) one. If there had been one, I I might have done it. But there wasn't one. So I didn't have that choice. I had to face it. Well, on this note, I'm going to ask you then the final question that I ask everyone who comes on the show, which is this podcast is called Run This World. Um, If you could give our listeners one piece of advice, one final nugget, so they can run their world in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Mm. Be still trying really hard to be still right now (laughs) (laughs) just just yeah give yourself time to process so much is happening all the time i think that's been my saving grace is the opportunity to be still so we need to practice this this doesn't come naturally to some of us i know i'm one of them most of us most of us it's hard yeah it's hard it's hard for me too i was i'm I'm an athlete like you are Mm -hmm. and athletes like to do 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 Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me too. Well, on that note, I'm going to 
be still today. <laughs> Take a moment before I dig back into my other pile of stuff. And then we can continue our personal life coaching session right, yes. af- right after I hit stop record. Thank you so much for coming on today. You're amazing. And the work you're doing in this world is helping so many people. Oh, thank you. All right. Over and out. So there you have it. Pretty amazing woman. I love her final nugget. Be still be still. We are moving around and moving and shaking too much these days. And I keep hearing this message and it's starting to sink in. I hope you are too. Of course, I'm encouraging you to go out on your run and move and shake while you listen to this podcast. But you know what I mean. Part of going out for your run allows you to be still. And that's what we're talking about. Let that mind relax. Um, well, everyone, I'm going to make this a short one because I think it's time for you to go out there and let that mind just do the things it's going to do. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Megan Onan today. I certainly enjoyed interviewing her. You can find all her information, her books, her speaking schedule, and more on MeganOnan.com. I will include a link in the show notes, so uh, be sure you check it out. All right, everybody, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.